You're listening to The Bridge Metro West, located at 7 Strathmore Road in Natick, Massachusetts. For more information about The Bridge Metro West, our weekly Sunday gatherings, and other events, go to www.bridgemetrowest.com. God is good. And all the time. Here's our charismatic liturgy. Welcome to the Bridge Metro West, where everything goes according to plan, and we always follow song lists. Thank you for being here. I want to thank you for showing up and spending uh, an hour and some minutes with us this morning. So I really appreciate it. We're really honored uh, to share this Easter Sunday with you. So give yourselves a hand for showing up. And I do want to thank our online audience as well. I saw those of you who showed up late. You're still coming late to church. It's okay. We even started later today by 15 minutes, and you were still late, but we still love you. And so let's give our online audience a hand as well. I got to do online last week. Like, I I almost went, like, full-on pajamas, and I was going to, like, make coffee during the live stream. Like, I was... But then I changed my mind and put on a shirt. Turn your Bibles. Turn in your Bibles before I already get off the beaten path. Luke 24, please. I'm going to read out of the Passion Translation today because it's passionate. I'm going to read it passionately and call it preaching. I see you, Mary. It's romper room time. Sandra Fitzgerald, I see you as well. Katie, Veronica, I heard you singing with us all the way over here. I'm glad you're with us. So, Luke 24, 1 through 4. Very early that Sunday morning, the women made their way to the tomb, carrying the spices they had prepared. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary, Jesus' mother. Arriving at the tomb, they, were disco- they, they discovered that the huge stone covering the entrance had been rolled aside. So they went in to take a look, but the tomb was empty. The body of Jesus was gone. They stood there, stunned and perplexed. Suddenly, two men in dazzling white robes, shining like lightning, appeared above them. Terrified, the women fell to the ground on their faces. The men in white said to them, Why would you look for the living one in a tomb? Good to see you, Will. I I missed you, man. I missed you, bro. I missed you. Other translations say, Why do you look for the living among the dead? I have a feeling we've been doing that for a long time. We've been looking for God in structures destined for death for 2,000 years and really beyond. See, we were made for this. We were made to have fellowship with God. We were made to be in cooperation with the divine. At the very beginning, God creates first man. He creates first woman. He blesses, and then he commissions. He blesses, and then he says, go do stuff. Multiply, till the soil, expand the kingdom, expand the garden. And we're still supposed to be doing that today. But we find, we, we, in the emptiness of our heart, we look for God in structures that are destined for death. And we create them. 
It's like that old country song, looking for love in all the wrong places. Look, I don't know why that song sticks out in my head when I was a little kid. I think I saw the music video or something and, and I started doing this kind of thing. Sing it in the shower. But we're still doing it. It's like, it's like prophesying the human condition. We're looking for love in all the wrong places. When he's made a home for you, he's reconciled us back to the Father. He's paved a way. He made a way when there was no way. But we love structure. We love things that are familiar. We love things that we think are safe. And so we tend to give in to structures that have a form of godliness but are absent of his presence and his power. Structures and systems of logic in our minds built upon lies that we believe to be true. Strongholds of the mind. Structures of anxiety and hopelessness and depression begin to consume us and they, they ooze from the unjust circumstances of life. Let's not even throw stones at religious structures. That's easy. Let's just hone in on the situation of life that arises out of the fruit of our own actions. We love to look externally. We, we like to blame the devil for a lot of the things that we just do. All he did really in the beginning was ask the one question, did God really say? And we've been spinning off like tops ever since. But go ahead, you could say the devil made you do it. God has already said his divine power has given you everything you need for life and godliness according to your knowledge of him. But one of the things that Jesus came to demonstrate for us, one of the things that Jesus came to teach us was how to handle circumstances that didn't make sense at the time, but yet we can flow through that space and time to demonstrate divine purpose. See, before we met him as the glorious king, I love the Jesus of Revelation 4, Revelation 5, Revelation 1. We read Daniel chapter 7. I love all of those prophetic texts that describe Jesus in all of his glory, in all of his majesty and throne and majesty and glory and light with fire in his eyes and a sword protruding from his mouth. And when he sits on the throne, it explodes into thunders and lightnings because nothing created can contain his glory. That includes you and me. So if he moves upon us in that level of power, in that level of glory, you better believe that something's going to happen to your physical body. In the Bible, when we encounter the manifest presence of God, we either fall on our faces as though dead, or we stand and we rise to greet the majesty of the king. I don't think we're going to have nice, cushy, maroon chairs. We call them four-hour chairs. Now, not that we're having a four-hour service today, but if we did... At least part of you would be comfortable. But see, I like that revelation of Jesus because you know that I love things that blow up. I like, I mean, I know, Jeff, I know we're all going to electric cars, but I'm telling you, I'm going to get a V8 before they're gone. <laughs> I, you know, if I, I got a 1.4 mile commute, if I get five miles to the gallon, I'm good. Just get me there and let's make some noise, baby. I want to be that obnoxious middle-aged guy in the neighborhood that has the car that wakes everybody up when he fires that thing up at 6 a.m. Not that I'm ever up at 6 a.m. But if I had a V8, honey, I would get up and I would make you breakfast every day. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Happy Easter. Okay. Got me. 
Thank you. And then I'll get an electric after that, you know, after I've, you know, done my part to wreck the ozone or whatever it does. I don't, I don't even know what's happening anymore. But I, you guys know I love things that blow up. I love fireworks. I love firearms. I, I love, I just love stuff that goes boom. So I relate to that, that part of Jesus. But the thing is, before we met him as the glorious king who was seated on the throne, he was conceived and comforted into the womb of Mary, birthed from her and placed into a feeding trough for animals. What a welcome to the earth for this glorious king. See, he grew and he did ordinary things before he lived an extraordinary life. Before we saw him glorified, his garments woven with white light, his, his face shining bright in the book of Revelation, he met the woman at the well. He met the adulteress and released her from accusation. He wept at the death of Lazarus. He wept in the garden of Gethsemane. He had wounds in his hands, wounds in his feet. He, he wore wounds of wildly flailing whips on his back. Before we saw his crown of glory, he wore a crown, a crown of thorns. And though unimaginable Hardship and through unimaginable hardship, he endured, he persevered. Yet while he was still in the midst of the hardship of humanity, he, you know what, he walked on water to show us that we could too. He spoke to stormy seas and said, peace be still. He offered salvation to the religious and sinner alike. He restored motion to the paralyzed, structure to withered hands. He gave hope for the condemned, wisdom to the twelve, sight to the blind, and he even turned water into wine. He did all these things so he could not only say, but also demonstrate, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Some say that there are many ways to God, but if that were the case, then what Jesus came to do, what he was sent to do by the Father would be some cruel act of parenthood. Because why sacrifice your son if there are other ways? If there are other gateways to the presence, other paths to the Father, another way to salvation. There is but one, and his name is Jesus. And I don't, I don't say that to Lord that name over any, anyone, but I say that to come and serve you with the presence of the living God, to serve you with the name, the one who, who came and he died and he rose so that you could have life and life abundantly. And you don't want to miss him today. Yet to the dark and difficult spaces of life we go and we focus on and live from those things that are sealed up and locked away and tombed in memories of the past and present that have shaped the way that we view our future. And we begin to, to shout through the stone that has closed up our hearts, Jesus, where are you? clouded by circumstance and difficulty and trial and tribulation, we hear nothing at times. But hold fast. Help is on the way. And right 
when you are about to give up at the very moment that structure of hopelessness comes crashing down around you right when the stormy seas of your chaotic circumstance begin to overtake you a voice calls out from the storm a voice calls out from the darkness peace be still a voice calls out from your wilderness prepare the way of the Lord the king is coming. Sometimes I ask people how I'm doing. It's funny when you ask people in church how, how, you, how they're doing because a lot of times they, they give you like that bumper sticker Christianity answer. And I, so many times over the years I've asked, you know, a brother, hey, how you doing, brother? And they'll say, oh, I'm in the wilderness, Paul. I just want to get out of the wilderness. Well, maybe God put you in the wilderness because that's where his voice calls out. The wilderness happens to be where the wild things are and he puts you there to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord into a dry place. He ain't sending everybody to the oasis as much as I love palm trees and beaches and blue, blue water. He sends us into the wilderness to declare the coming of the king. So stop trying to get out of the place that he's actually sent you and actually do what he sent you to do because his divine power has already given you everything you need for life and godliness according to your knowledge of him and the spirit of God fell in an upper room 2,000 years ago and baptized the, the entire room with fire with glory with love fully saturated and fully involved in the operation of the spirit so that now we can say with confidence that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is dwelling inside me right now and so now I have confidence and boldness by the blood of the lamb not only to come into the holy place to go before the throne of grace but to go into all the world and declare that the kingdom of heaven is at hand somebody give him praise I'm getting Pentecostal up in here on a Easter Sunday morning come on mama Verna I need you Come on, Jackson. All right. See, the alarm's going off. Something happens when you come into a space and time where we gain a revelation, we gain an understanding. We sense the eternal presence of the living God manifesting in the reality of our present time. When God steps in, yes, I know Holy Spirit is inside us. I know that we are carriers. Oh, I know that we are the ark of the new covenant. I understand that. But let me tell you, particularly in these corporate times when we gather together, there are moments and times when God comes down and he doesn't just rise up within us but he moves upon us and when that happens something begins to shake on the inside of your heart something begins to vibrate on the inside of you those cold dead areas of your life that have been sealed away for weeks and months and years are being exposed to light again and there is a sound in the ground that begins to shake you from the inside out and God will send a message to you he will send messengers 
answers to you just like he did 2,000 years ago. And they will say once again, why would you look for the living one in a tomb? He is not here. He is risen. And so this is the God we serve. He's not just a baby in a manger and he's not still hanging on a cross. Although we remember and we revere the road to suffering and we do this act that we call communion. His body that was broken for us and his blood that was shed for us. And we come into that heart to heart and face to face remembering what you endured for the joy set before you. But God, now you are seated at the right hand of the Father and you are enthroned in majesty and glory and light and there is fire in your eyes and there's a passion for your bride and you're still working through the hearts of sons and daughters and guiding us and prodding us and encouraging us and giving us the confidence to understand that when we walk by faith, we walk with power, we walk with authority, we walk carrying the glory of the king and his kingdom. And so when we say that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, it's not some kind of prophetic metaphor. It's a reality that his kingdom comes, his will manifests on earth as it is in heaven according to our faith. Let it be done here today, oh God. In 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15, one of my favorite passages of Scripture says this, For the love of Christ controls us. Other translations say compels us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. He endured the cross for the joy set before him. What was that joy? A people that would be called by his name. A people that would no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. He wanted to gather for himself family, but he also wanted to get back to dad. Because he had never known what it was like to be apart from him. What it was like to be in human form and have to learn how to do only what he saw the father doing. And he came and he did that 100% successfully because he wanted to show you that you can do it too. He died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. How do you step into this? Number one, you say yes to him. You don't have to understand it all. You don't need a degree in theology. You just have to say yes. Some of the most powerful people that I've ever met, they didn't know a lot, but they knew Jesus. And they were willing to speak his name in the workplace, on the streets, in the stores. And somehow the testimony of Jesus became the spirit of prophecy and transform the atmosphere where they were so that people had the same revelation of Jesus that they did many years before. 
It's Christ in you, literally the hope, the assurance of the revelation of the glory of God on earth. It starts when we say yes to him. But there's more to it than that. Honestly, when you walk this thing out, we learn to yield to him. Because he's not just a friend. He's still a sovereign king who is seated on the throne. And he's outside of our timeline, and he is encouraging us to meet the space of who we are in the future when we're walking in maturity, when we're walking in the fullness of our calling, in the fullness of glory and grace. He is guiding us toward his great masterpiece, which is your life. But that only happens when we become like him, when Jesus said, I can't do anything of myself. I only do what I see the Father doing. When we yield to him, when we become like Jesus, who said, Lord, take this cup from me, but you know what? Not my will, yours be done. I, I like my plan, but your plan's probably better, so I'm going to do that. And he learned, he perfected obedience through his suffering. And when we say yes to him and when we yield to him, we will yield fruit for him. The fruit of the Spirit begins with love, joy, and peace. We have all kinds of metrics that we've introduced on social media about what it means to be a Christian. I saw somebody post a video the other day. I, I assume he was a pastor. I don't know. Because I dared go back on Facebook. And he said, you know, if you're a pastor and you make people wear masks, then you're, you're no kind of Christian. I was like, where's that, in the, where's that in the Bible? My Bible says the fruit of the Spirit begins with love, joy, and peace. And I don't see any of those three traits on this video thus far, but let me keep going. Maybe I'll find it. Because I have grace for you. I'm trying to have grace for you. I'm working toward that place of having grace for you. Where I can be like Jesus and say, Father, forgive you for you obviously don't know what you're doing. I didn't have to throw the word obviously in there. I just did that for my own benefit and pleasure. But we do that. We, we, base, we base our position in Christ on all kinds of things that really are extraneous. Who did you vote for? Well, I don't, know, and I don't know how a Christian could vote for that person. Well, I don't know how a Christian could vote for that person. Now you're voting for all different people, and apparently in your construct, nobody's a Christian. <laughs> Love, joy, peace. The first foretaste of the fruit of the Spirit. We talk about extending the nature of Christ into our cities and into our communities, into our workplaces. When we talk about reforming culture, it's not so that we can have the upper hand. Look, we already got the upper hand. We've got Jesus Christ, the firstborn of the dead, the King of kings and the Lord of lords in our corner. If God is for us, who can be against us? I can't have any more of an upper hand than I have right now. But the reality is we want to extend his nature and his will. We want to see his kingdom manifest in every sphere of society until it begins with the first foretaste of the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, and peace. There's more to it than that, but let's start there because, man, you can be patient, but if you don't have love, joy, and peace, then, then you're just an angry, patient person. We say yes to him. We yield to him. We yield fruit 
for him. And all these things break down to one word, surrender. So if you're here today, you're here today or you're watching online or whenever you're watching and you don't know this Jesus maybe you said yes at an altar call or some service or church camp when you were a kid maybe you went through confirmation or some system of classes and I'm not opposed to any of that but I'm just saying today I want you to have an encounter with Jesus don't even take my word for it I want you to have an encounter with Jesus would you be willing to step in and say, you know what, I wanna encounter this Jesus. Let's find out what he has to say about who you really are, not who you were. Because let me tell you, you can come as you are to the cross, but you can't stay as you are through the cross. When you get to the other side of that thing, oh, he gives you a new identity. All things become new and he transforms you. And not only one time, but brings you into the cycle of transformation into the image of the son because he wants to make you an ambassador for the king and his kingdom on the earth. But you have to have an encounter with him. It's not just an academic pursuit. It's a way of life. It's a way of living. Heart to heart, face to face, in lockstep with the king who gave it all for you and the one that we celebrate today. His name is Jesus. So I want you to pray this prayer after me. And then we're going to close and you go eat your Easter food, whatever it is you're doing. Thank you, Lord. Pray this prayer after me. God, I want to know you. And I accept your gift of life to me. I accept Jesus' death and his resurrection from death that reversed the curse of sin and death in my life. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I turn from my way and turn toward your way. Would you please reveal your love to me now? And I will follow you all the days of my life. Thank you for hearing me and honoring my request. In Jesus' name. If you said that prayer for the first time today, I want to welcome you to the family. Would you let us know if you're watching online? Would you let us know if you're in-house here today? Would you let us know? We want to make sure that you have a Bible. We will mail you a Bible. We'll do whatever it takes because we want to just not leave you in the place that you are, but we want to bring you along with us in that cycle of being transformed from glory to glory. You don't have to understand what that is, but let me tell you, it's amazing and it's a beautiful process and it's a great way to do life with God and with each other. Thank you for listening to this message from the Bridge Metro West in Natick, Massachusetts. Paul David Gidry is the senior pastor at the Bridge. For more information about the Bridge Metro West family, our gatherings and events, visit www.bridgemetrowest.com or call us at 508-651-0277.